How are you? You good? Good. Doing good. There we go. Yeah, I'm doing good. Hope you're doing good as well. Yeah, not too bad. All, all things being equal, how's um, how's Louisville doing in terms of athletes coming back, pandemic, et cetera? Um, still in the process of bringing them back. Uh, we still have a few more phases to get athletes back, but, uh, you know, everything is changing rapidly. You know, we're still in the process to figure out how we're progressing this fall with fall sports and football. Right now we're still pressing forward um, until we know different. And is that, like, are you actually able to be involved with some of those conversations given your role at the university or is that it's still something you're a little bit removed from? Like, how much influence do you, do you have? Um, well, we've, there's a, there's, let me think about the different levels. There's um, the presidents speak together. The, there's an ACC, all the ACC presidents, all the ACC, there's a medical advisory board where there's one representative from each university. There is the ACC athletic directors um, group that meets. There's the ACC health and performance group that meets that I'm a part of. There is an ACC senior women's administrator group that meets. There is the ACC diversity group that meets because all of this is connected and related. Right. There is uh, all of the athletic trainers uh, meet. Then there's groups on campus. Uh, so I meet with all of our physicians and sports medicine staff. I also, there's an international committee because we've got um, that I'm chair of over that subcommittee because we've got international student athletes that have different requirements to get back into the states and working through embassies and things like that. There is, um, then we have a campus group campus leadership group that's working together. Um, yeah, it's a lot of groups that, that work together. There's also a mental health group, ACC mental health group that meets um, we're all, as we're working to try to get athletes back to campus. I appreciate you going through all of that. And, and one of the reasons I asked that in the way I did was I don't think people often understand or follow how many people are actually involved in decisions like this and kind of need to be involved. And so I think there's sometimes a general sense of frustration, like the, the, the casual person, the casual fan to some degree would have, but uh, trying to coordinate, I mean, who knows how many you just listed, right? That didn't uh, list them all either. That wasn't all. <laughs> right, right. Trying to coordinate all, all those groups. Those are all the external groups. Then we have internal groups. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I was thinking, like, you know, I was trying to do my homework a little bit before we jumped on this. And, you know, you know I've talked, I don't know, what, three or four times in the last few weeks as mm -hmm. well. Um, but your role is unique in that you touch a lot of different aspects of student athlete life. And, even even though that's the case, like I knew there was going to be a point where your level of involvement and influence, I mean, we're talking about all the way up to the very tops of college athletics, 
was only going to go so far. Um, and so uh, I just think like people who are going to end up watching this later, I think it'd be interesting them for them to understand it's not as if like an, a single AD from every single school in a given conference voted go, no go. And that's all that happened. Right. So uh, in Nebraska in particular, um, you know, obviously the Big Ten decided not to play in the fall. But I don't know if you saw Coach Frost really wanted to play. And you see that. And it's just not that simple. If well, that, that makes sense. The athletic directors are not making the decision. They're not in on that. They're not in on the decision-making process. It's the presidents and the medical advisory groups. Right, right. Well, and most of the – well, I shouldn't say most of the time. Often, it's not as if the ADs don't want to play. I shouldn't say often because it's the first time we've all been through this. But right. uh, there's just there's just a lot of hats in that ring, and I don't think I don't think people often understand that that's the case, for lack of a better way of putting it. You know, I would say you're very accurate with that statement. It'd <laughs> probably be my one my one for our chat. I'm going to hold on to that one. Um, yeah, that that was good. So for um, for folks who don't know, um, and I'm, I'm actually kind of curious, how would you like qu try to quickly describe your role um, at the Ville? Because it's definitely a bit unique. Um, and like, I kind of hope that it's starting to set a standard for what we'll see at universities. But could you, could you describe that briefly? Because you, you touch on a lot of things that a lot of coaches don't necessarily always get to, to see and influence. Yeah, well, in the ACC, I believe there are five of these positions, which is the most of any conference. So my roles, my role is I oversee the uh, sports medicine, uh, sports nutrition, sports performance, sports science, mental health, mental performance, uh, working with dining services and uh, working with all of our physicians and orthopedic surgeons. So coordinating all of that communication so that we can have the best collaboration. You know, ultimately, uh, our goal is providing a first class um, standard of care for our student athletes. It's uh, getting all of those pieces that are constantly moving and evolving and people uh, the word we've overused this year is fluid, but it's the most accurate word to use uh, in this situation. Uh, information is coming and so at so many different angles, um, and it doesn't stop. It's, it's almost like 24 hours a day information is coming in. Uh, from the time you go to sleep until the time you wake up, there is information still coming in. So you have to process it, synthesize it, and then uh, stay organized. Um, Luckily, I have some really good people to work with, some sharp directors that I oversee. Um, if you include the uh, positions and the full-timers that I oversee, it's, it's about 50 people. And then you will add another 50 volunteers, seasonal assistants, graduate assistants, um, student assistants on top of that. So health and performance is, is a big part of our athletics department. And uh, we have an important role. Um, especially with what's going on uh, today with the pandemic. And uh, it's, it's not easy. It's a lot to learn. You know, people have used the, the term drinking from a fire hose. That's very accurate. Uh, it's a lot of information coming in. 
Uh, but you just have to take a deep breath um, and just um, slow things down and, and follow up on your communication. Um, double check your notes. Uh, go through your emails. I don't know how many times I scroll through my emails to see what I've missed and what gets buried. Uh, it is, it's, uh, you know, I'm still working from home and there's plenty of work to do. It's, a, I think last Saturday, it took me eight hours to send one email and it didn't take me eight hours to write it. It took me eight hours to gather all the feedback necessary to make sure that what was in oh, there, wow. um, the information was accurate. Um, so, th and that's on a Saturday. So it's, uh, it's a lot to, it's a lot, it's, it's challenging, it's fun, it's exciting. Um, so it's, I'm enjoying it. So in terms of your, for lack of a better way of putting it, like personal evolution, um, like professionally, did you, were you always sort of of a mindset to grow into this kind of role or as, as sort of you were motivated to learn new things, did almost the role come to you in the sense that like you started as an athlete, right? Um, and, and if, if I'm not fair in any of this, please, please feel free to correct me. Like started as an athlete, became a strength conditioning coach, but then just kept growing your knowledge base from there, like slide it, slid into the mental side, right? Instead of just the physical, um, like, was this something you had in mind or did you almost just create it by process? I think being an athlete and being a collegiate and then a professional athlete, if you pay attention to your surroundings, um, those experiences uh, provide some good lessons, life lessons. So for me, uh, going from high school to college, you realize, wow, I left a lot of my college teammates, high school teammates, um, you know, and I went to college. And then you go to college, and then you have, if you have a chance to play professional, you realize, wow, only a, one or two of us have a chance every year to do this. Um, and then that experience, as you look around, um, as I had that experience in the NFL, you look around and go, you know, people don't stay around here for long. Um, the average career is three and a half years. So it's almost like by the time you're 26, 25, 26, 27, your career is over. Um, and you start to pay attention. Like there's a time uh, stamp on being an athlete. And then you, if you go into coaching, you start to pay attention to your surroundings as well. And if you're a strength and conditioning coach, you know that as you look around at the conference, you're wondering, all right, where are the 60-year-old strength coaches? No, I don't see them. Where are the 50-year-old strength coaches? Very few. Where are the 40-year-old strength coaches? Well, they're starting to transition. So who's here? So you look around it, at the conference, it's mostly 20 and 30-year-old strength coaches. Well, with my background, I'm going to pay attention. Like, I may want to be ready for what's next. Like, what's after sport? Like, when you're done being an athlete, what do you want to do? Well, if you if you if you've been a strength and conditioning coach, um, and you haven't paid attention to that, next time you go to the conference, just look around, look at uh, look at the ages, and then the older strength coaches, just watch how they walk, because it is a brutal profession. It is it is brutal on the knees, the back. The, the elbows, uh, you just just look around and see. Um, it's just like being an athlete. There's a there's a timestamp. 
um, on on being a strength and conditioning coach. So for me, I always knew that I needed to have a college degree so that when I was done playing, I had something to fall back on. And then as a strength and conditioning coach, I looked around and said, you know, at one at some point, I won't be able to do this or I'm just going to be broken down doing it. So what's the backup plan? And uh, for me, education was always kind of that that backup plan. Look at education and look what possibilities education can provide. And I knew that uh, a role like this um, in health and performance and administration was something that I could uh, transition to uh, after being a strength and conditioning coach where I could still be around athletes, still be around the game and still be challenged to grow. And where, where I, I can look around and say, you probably need to be in your 40s or 50s to be in this position. So when you like, I know you've spoken a few times just in terms of uh, the as a whole, right? Um, and given given some talks around like how to how to sort of improve. I think both the the profession, strictly speaking, but then also where it sits sort of within the world of college athletics. Um, I mean, is that do you start with that basic focus, or in the sense of trying to get coaches to think beyond just sort of like their their current role landing a logo that kind of thing like how do you how do you sort of address how to improve the profession when you're when you're talking to kind of a peer group like that yeah well you can be general and there's always good information to give to a group but if you're trying to impact change and, and you you have to change someone's mindset and and behavior i found that it's best to just do that on a one-on-one -on -one basis or at least a program by program basis uh it's really hard to get a group of coaches together and say okay this is the, the direction we need to be going from now on it, it it just doesn't seem to go over that smooth um coaches are creatures of habit and routines and they they don't like those routines to be disrupted um, because a lot of them are success. They found success in those routines and, and, and um, comfort in those routines. And athletes love, um, they love things to, they love routines as well. They love consistency. And, and you know, that's something that uh, it's hard to be good in athletics and win championships without consistency. So whenever those routines are disrupted, it, it Sometimes coaches have a, a tough time adapting and adjusting because so because their livelihood and success uh, rides on them having those processes, um, you know, um, almost on automatic mode. Well, you could and, and that's one of the things that's made the pandemic so tough. And I think like you can see it a little bit online is everyone was turning into webinars and podcasts and conversations trying trying to find some of that routine but then it just just wasn't the same right and so mm -hmm. there was there was an interesting sort of um curve to it where we're jumping into a lot of online stuff and then as i would like chat was we work with everyone started getting sick of it like there was only so many zoom meetings you could have um so thanks for coming on to this considering it's basically the same thing but um there's that antsiness now to get back um right. 
and get going again. And yet it's still not the same routine. So it's just sort of this constantly used fluid, right? And I try to avoid buzzword bingo, but sometimes those words are a buzzword because they work. You know what I mean? And so like, what are you doing to try to keep yourself in your own routine? Like, obviously I've got to assume you're hitting that rack from time to time. Um, any, 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 anything you're doing in particular that's sort of keeping you mentally fresh? Uh, yes, it is. Um, I, I created this seven day routine that, um, is very adaptable. So I don't, so no week is ever the same. So, um, Sunday is going to be, I've got it written down shoulders. Uh, Monday is probably core, uh, then I've got a core yoga routine that I do. So whenever I do my lower workout, my core yoga workout, I've been able to do that, that with my oldest daughter. So we actually oh, nice. did uh, the core yoga workout this morning. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. We'll, yeah, get on YouTube and every uh, we'll, we'll pick something out. Uh, when we do the lower workout, we'll find a hill. We'll go do hill sprints. So I'm just going to pick a different body part because I don't, no, my, my schedule, it, it moves around. Um, so I, if I figure if I have 15 to 20 minutes, I can get a workout in. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what I do. Um, and try to get cardio in a couple times a week, maybe. Uh, I'll walk with my wife around the neighborhood, try to get that done twice a week. Uh, walk the dog maybe once a week. Dog is walked more than once, but I'll do it once. Um, so it's, that's what I try to do is it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, maybe I'll try to go play some golf. Um, one of the neighbors want to go play golf later today. So maybe try to do that. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it, for me, I was telling a friend, I said, for me, it's, it's my last two or three years have been constantly establishing routines and re and then changing and reestablishing new routines. So I'm, I'm kind of used to it as I've moved around from, from uh, working at Missouri to Arkansas State and then here and being in a hotel, staying at a friend's house. So it's just been constantly evolving and changing for me. Um, so it's, it's just, I can, you know, it's, it's not something I find difficult. Gotcha, fair enough, fair enough. Um, it's, it's just interesting to different coaches have tried to kind of deal with feeling cooped up for the better, better way to put it. Um, I had, oh, I had uh, that yesterday. Oh. Yeah, I, I felt a little bit cooped up, so I went to Lowe's and bought some uh, for, for some home improvement. Some little home improvement. Yeah, that's what I did. Projects. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to back up and ask you a little about just um, kind of your younger days. If that's cool. So yeah. grew up in Detroit, and one of the things is the idea of going from Detroit to Missouri, like as a young man. Um, I have to think that was a pretty big transition. Um, and I'm just curious, like how it was, how it was for you. Um, like I've lived in Chicago. I've also lived, like we've talked before, like kind of in the country, right. Um, as well. Mm -hmm. And those are two pretty different worlds. So as a young athlete, um, like what was that like for you? And has that helped you connect with athletes now? like in your career absolutely so being from inner city detroit michigan um 
where at the time it was probably in the inner city was probably 85 to 90 percent black and then going to columbia missouri where it's probably flipped um it was it was definitely it's something that i wanted to do i knew i needed to do i knew how i grew up and i wanted a different experience i wanted to be around other kinds of people from different backgrounds so like you said whether it's rural backgrounds suburban backgrounds um, I wanted to have, be around people that had different experiences um, so that I could learn. I, I, I value people and uh, different cultures. So for me, I find it fascinating um, how other people grew up that was different than I. Um, and then going to a college town in Columbia, Missouri, that was, you know, that's a whole different aspect uh, growing up in a small college town um, in the Midwest. Um, but it's my teammates. Uh, came from all sorts of different backgrounds. Some came from St. Louis. Some came. Some came from uh, Shelbina, Missouri. So uh, it was some. A lot of came from Texas. Um, so it was. It was interesting uh, mix that we had. And and what I found is I enjoyed learning from them and going back home uh, to visit my uh, my friends, my teammates, uh, where they grew up. And, and uh, having that experience um, and sharing that experience with them, I found it fascinating. Um, and it's something I, I learned. It created a higher level of respect for all kinds of people, um, just for me. So it, I, I learned it was challenging. Um, there were things I was used to from a culture that I didn't have to worry about in, in Columbia, Missouri. So there's Thing. There's different protocols of how you lock your car up and how you lock your house up in inner city Detroit. Then you go to a college town and all of a sudden, no banks or stores have the plexiglass in front of you. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, uh, this is a little a, strange. Uh, <laughs> slide anything into the drawer and put Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was strange. I actually didn't feel safe. Like they should have some plexiglass up here. So I feel safe. That's how, that's how yes. backwards. Uh, well, anytime, was, anytime there's a game, yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, I'm a little unkind to yourself when you say backwards. Like that was the environment you were used to, you know, right. and like yeah. into what looks like a higher level of security, and that's not necessarily there anymore, right? Like right. that's just the context you have to me, and kind of like you said, like there have been tons of people who will say better than this like mark twain said it malcolm x said it like anytime you travel mm -hmm. and start to experience different cultures it just starts breaking down various barriers and sometimes you don't realize it until you're in it and you just don't have the context to realize it so um yeah i was going to talk over you there for a second um no no go ahead one thing i was i was disappointed back at were you a pistons fan growing up oh yeah or now for sure Pistons, Pistons, Red Wings, Tigers, and Lions. I mean, you grew up in Detroit. That's, yeah, absolutely. I see. I see. So when I lived in Chicago, it's when um, Jordan could not get past the Pistons, right? The Bulls could not get past the Pistons. Dug around before we jumped on I, in my garage. I was trying, I was just, I was pretty sure I didn't have it, but I was hopeful. And it was Luck Fam Beer. So oh. uh, I don't know, figure it out, but. I just could not could not yeah. stand Lambeer, right? I might get a good laugh out of you if I could if I could still find that shirt, um, uh, you know. And I just recall going through 
uh, or watching the series. And there was this moment where I think it was Jordan drove the baseline. Rodman uh, fouled him pretty hard. Like he wasn't going to go anywhere. And Liam Beer just came through after the whistle, killed somebody. <laughs> and like it was before, like I think that's one of the reasons they've changed the different flagrant rules. But uh, I just remember we were watching that, and then everybody was watching. It was all fired up. So when everybody apparently had to be Liam Beard up on my ass like 15 times uh, during the game. Uh, do, do you, do you, um, what is that last series dance. on Netflix with the last and the Bulls? Dance. Absolutely. Last dance, awesome. yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I haven't all the way through it yet, which seems like a giant miss. But um, one of the reasons I kind of went there is when I, like, when people watch those things, they almost start to see themselves in the various roles they used to play. And I'm curious, given all of your education background, your coaching background, like yourself and your daily activity, like, just how do you think of yourself? Like, do you think of yourself as a, an educator? Um, that's a good question. Because it's a ma- uh, it's a mouthful to look at, like your titles. Yeah. At. Mm-hmm. For me, I simplify it and I just say leader. I'm a leader. That way, I don't have to figure out: um, Am I in coach mode? Am I administrator mode? Am I um, on the field? If I'm in a meeting. If I'm at home, if I'm on a computer, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just a leader. Um, so, and what I do is help uh, the people that I uh, and help and serve the people that I that I oversee and I work with. So I never feel like I have people that work for me. I feel like I'm here to help people uh, to work with people, and that that has um, I think served me well. And, and uh, serve the people that I work with well. Uh, it, it helps to keep the ego in check uh, because I know what I wanted when I was in that role as, as head strength and conditioning coach. I wanted a supervisor that understood uh, my job and the, the, the um, challenges of my job and someone that would take some of those challenges um, and remove some of those challenges or knock down some of those barriers so that I could do what I love doing and which was coaching. So I, I pride myself on uh, helping out those that uh, love doing what they do. Um, so as a leader, it, as a, if, you're, if you are a true leader, then you really want to help the people that you're working with almost no matter what it is you're doing. So it does. It doesn't matter if I'm in the weight room, training room, uh, even sitting here at home in my basement, operating through a computer. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, work with some really good people, and a- as a leader, my my responsibility is to help them, and that's how I look at it. Uh, we were recently. So we have a newsletter that's getting ready to come out, and obviously, um, one of the things that we want to let people know is that we're sponsoring your podcast, right? For anybody, anyone who may be catching this for the first time has a couple of different podcasts, um, beyond sets. And then the, the other, it's like, I, I find it interesting in how, how you might describe it because it's a reps round table. Um, and it seems like it's a little bit open format in the sense of a round table talking about different issues. Is that, is that a fair description? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's more of a conversation. So people get to learn uh, through the conversation as well as the information that's being shared. Well, I, yeah, I haven't listened to it. Like, you guys take the time, or you and your guest taking the time to kind of put things into context, right? Um, so it's not just, I've heard just data. And I, I think it's very well-rounded for folks who haven't. The reason I mentioned the newsletter um, closed the loop on that. So, um, you know, we had this section where we were announcing it and the, the little title for it just said, Dr. Pat Ivey. I was like, well, that, that's not enough to, to spice it up a little bit and, and provide some personality. So I think the last few times you and I have talked, I've probably managed to at least a little reference each time. Um, just all over the place, which is kind of what I do. Um, staff would tell you that, but father, the leader, Eric B and Rakim had just played when I was listening to that. And I thought, there it is. So here it comes out that I've matched up with how you just by sort of happenstance. I feel good about it now though, of course, because Dr. Pat Ivy slash father, the leader. So, uh, shout out to Eric B and Rakim, but I, I like the way that loop closed out pretty nicely on that one. Nice. Yeah. One of my favorite groups. So, well, I got lucky. I got lucky. Um, so, um, to transition to something far more serious, uh, as, um, I was wondering how you're finding being in Louisville and then having to chat potentially with athletes about to kind of, I'll just say society as a whole is, like, are you finding that that event, for lack of a better way of putting it, is like top of mind for student athletes because it's so local? I mean, it's it's top of mind for a lot of people anyway. That conversation. So your um, audio is coming in and out, but I'm gonna repeat what I, the question I think you were asking. I'm assuming you were asking about Brianna Taylor, Louisville. Yeah, Brianna Taylor, Louisville. Yeah. how we're handling it social issues um so we have um in our athletics department some really good people so um i'm, I'm seeing that chris morgan is on he's uh, he oversees our fca uh we have um marvin mitchell who oversees our academics Alyssa uh, murphy who oversees our student development uh and then we have uh, a mental health mental performance uh kate o'brien vanessa shannon uh, and all of our coaches, it, it starts at the top. It starts with your athletics director. And uh, even above that, it starts with our president. So President Neela Bendapudi, she is uh, very active and vocal uh, for social issues. Um, and then that it, then it comes down to Vince Tyre, who is our athletics director, who has been very supportive uh, on, on behalf of social issues. And then... The, the types of coaches that are here and the types of coaches that Vince has hired are those that are very um, athlete-centered and athlete-focused uh, and, and focus on the student-athlete experience. So that's kind of our culture. Uh, so actually how talking about how we're going to support different social initi initiatives are part of conversations that we can have uh, as that that's just kind of part of who we are. And we can do it with ease, uh, even though it can be a little bit uncomfortable for some, but but we still have an environment and a culture that says we're going to address difficult issues and subjects head on. 
and and we know the importance of of the people that are involved so so um we've had so many different forums led by uh christia who is in a new position um as she was um promoted into like a talent management position but she also is overseeing a lot of our um social justice initiatives and leading a lot of those conversations so we're having uh conversations weekly we've been having them weekly for the last three months i believe at least two months and we've been having these difficult conversations uh, with different very various groups in our athletics department and um, just to try to create that that comfort with having the conversation around some of the issues so we're able to listen to our athletes and understand what they want to do uh, whether it's wearing a patch or or if they want to um, show their support through um, through a rally or whatever it may be um, a gathering um, on campus off campus uh, we can we're having conversation with community leaders it's it's something that for me I, I find it refreshing because um, it just seems like it's, it's, uh, the, the environment here is set up to have a more open conversation about it. Um, so it's still a lot more work to do nice. and, uh, more conversations to have, but we're, we're having those conversations about how we can plan, uh, and move forward together. Um, but it's, it's definitely interesting it's- for sure with, with everything going on nationally. Uh, I bet is it in is you mentioned like the idea of like wearing a patch or, or or things like that is is one of the common themes desire to take some sort of for better term civic action like in, in from student athletes like just wanting to get involved. I, I think you can look nationally in 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 certain areas of the can country. Can you hear me? There are, um, there have been some more. There's been some activity happening in certain areas of the country and in other areas i think it's more internal so i think our efforts are probably so far have been more internal than external um, and i think that suits that, that that's because of the relationship and culture that we have i think that's um, the athletics director uh, accessibility to the athletes uh, i think that makes a difference um, and it's it's the type of people you have i mean if if you have people that uh that are willing to understand and be empathetic and listen to um to the students and and what their what their needs are and and what their concerns are it it seems to have a more positive um effect and, and um just on the environment